Welcome to Gray Maybe, a limited series podcast and social experiment based on the topic of abortion. My name is Jillian Schmitz. I'm a professional dancer, actor, teacher, author, artist, and cat lover. Through my own personal journey of recovery, I found that things aren't just black or white, or a simple yes or no. For me, in my recovery, there has been mostly gray area and a lot of maybes. In most of my stories, you can find the gray maybe. I'll be sharing my own process through personal stories, interviews, and hopefully stories of others in an effort to help lessen the stigma and shame of abortion. If you'd like me to read your story on this podcast, anonymous or otherwise, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're using to catch future episodes of Gray Maybe. A note before we start. While the topic of abortion and my belief in it being easy and accessible to all people who can become pregnant is a comfortable topic for me, sharing my own personal stories is not. I have a justifiable amount of fear of possible hostility and violence, both in person and or online. I also anticipate the possibility of judgment ranging from my own family to strangers, in addition to the potentiality of losing certain work opportunities for publicizing my own experiences. I'm telling my stories and the stories of others through the lens of our own experiences. The revelation of our processes are ours to tell. If you disagree with the views or stories on this podcast, know that I'm not speaking on anything other than the experiences and viewpoints of myself and others. Take what you like and leave the rest. Any feelings this podcast activates in the listener is for the listener to process and recover from. Any criticism you have based on these experiences and choices are yours, and they are not anybody else's burden to carry. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you voted this past week, and although some of the results are still trickling in, there is much to discuss. But there is one thing I can say for certain. Abortion won. There was a total of five ballot measures to protect reproductive freedom and access to abortion, and all five of them won, by a large margin. California enshrined reproductive freedom and contraceptives in their state constitution. Kentucky voted there is a right to abortion in their state constitution. Michigan created a state constitutional right to reproductive freedom, including decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, such as abortion and contraception. Montana rejected a law enacting any infant born alive at any gestational age a legal person that already exists under a federal law passed 20 years ago. It would criminalize healthcare providers who do not make every effort to save a life of an infant born during and attempted abortion or after labor or C-section. This was concerning to doctors as the law would limit palliative care for infants who were born but will not survive. And Vermont voted to enshrine reproductive right to autonomy in their state constitution. This mirrors what I've come to know doing this podcast. The amount of pregnant people who have had abortions and the amount of people talking about it couldn't be more vast. However, when a silent opportunity to fight arises, like voting, the message is clear. We want choice. We want autonomy. We want agency. We want safety. We want reproductive health. And we want freedom. There is still much work to be done to further this mission. 
more on the political landscape of how to do that in a later episode coming up. Last week, right before airing episode 5 with Dr. R, I received another story to be read on the podcast. Nicole was one of the first people to message me about Grey Maybe and had mentioned she was working on writing her story. I know a few people that have taken to writing their story as an exercise, or more likely, a challenge. I knew Nicole first as a dancer, but Nicole was also my first yoga teacher, and I found her to be so good at balancing, literally, but also spiritually. She just seemed so damn healthy, in body, in mind, in spirit. I admired her for that. It's been a privilege to know more deeply where she comes from, and her journey of where she is now. Inhale and exhale in a warrior pose. Welcome to the rebellion, Nicole. My Abortion Story, written by Nicole Revere. By sharing our stories, we open minds and disarm hearts. I am Nicole Revere, and I am a dancer, yoga teacher, artist, and mother. I had been go-go dancing nights at a club in Hollywood. On this particular night in December 2003, I met him, Keegan, a musician. He was skinny, angular sharp features, messy hair, tattoos. I guess you could say that was my type then. I can still remember the way he looked at me under the red lights, the loud music, and the smell of alcohol emanating from the bar. I liked the attention I got from him. It made me feel good. It made me feel attractive and sexy. It made me feel seen. It made me feel powerful. Side note, as a young 20-something, having grown up in an alcoholic addict home, I didn't have the confidence or self-esteem back then. That wasn't outside of myself. I didn't have boundaries. I didn't even know what they were. I didn't know what self-care or self-love was. These are things I would learn years later in the rooms of 12-step recovery and therapy. I had plenty of vodka, lemon drop, martini confidence in my system, and Keegan asked me if I wanted to go home with him after work. Of course, I said yes. I didn't know a thing about him other than he was hot and a musician, and that was good enough for me. His place wasn't far from the club. We entered his apartment, his bedroom to the left, an empty living room to the right, some unknown roommate down the hall, I can't remember. It's a little fuzzy. Another empty bedroom through the empty living room. I learned that Keegan had a six-year-old son who lived with mom, who Keegan didn't get along with. I kind of loved that he had a kid. I loved kids. I didn't love that he hardly saw his kid, or fought the mama on that. I painted all the red flags white. No big deal. We talked. He was nice. He seemed pretty gentle and sensitive, with a side of asshole I didn't really want to get to know. There was already a looming sense of discomfort inside me that I ignored. He was a good-looking guy. I just wanted to see where this would go. It was understood we were using a condom. At least, that's what I understood. I was questionably still under the influence of alcohol. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it ripped, if he slid it off at the last second, if he lied and didn't use one in the first place. But either way, I would end up pregnant. 
I saw Keegan a couple more times that week. One of those times, he asked if I wanted to move in and rent the other bedroom. That was weird. I said no. We had just met, and now I was more uncomfortable. I was getting ready to go home for Christmas and lacking the funds for an airplane ticket. He gave me the money to buy a ticket. I promised to pay it back. I knew inside that I didn't want to pursue the relationship any further, but I didn't want to tell him that. I just wanted to get out of there and pretend it never happened. And I didn't even know I was pregnant yet. A couple weeks later, I was home for Christmas and ghosting Keegan. I knew eventually I'd have to tell him, I'm just not that into you. But I was hoping he'd get the message on his own. I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth and a huge wave of nausea came over me, followed by extreme hot and cold flashes. Fever? Chills? It was Christmas time and I thought maybe I was getting the flu. Although I'd never felt the sensations quite like this, it was different. I went to bed hoping to feel better in the morning and I did. I told my mom what had happened the night prior and without pause she said, Are you pregnant? No, I said firmly. No way. No way, no how. I always use protection. There's no way. Nope. Back in LA, shortly after the new year, I was still hearing my mom's voice. Are you pregnant? I can't remember exactly, but I must have missed my period by a few days because that question was embedded in my mind enough to run to pick up a couple of pregnancy tests before I went to work that night at the club. Shit timing. I got ready for work. Makeup, false eyelashes, glitter, fishnets. Pregnancy test number one. Positive. No fucking way. Pregnancy test number two. Positive. Shock. I'm hijacked. I don't want this. Ticking time bomb. I knew what I was going to do. There was no way I was going to have it. I went to work. I had my lemon drop martini or two or three and worked my shift and forgot for at least a little bit that I was pregnant. I knew I'd have to deal with it in the morning. I didn't want to have an abortion, but I didn't want to have a baby either. I wasn't ready to be a parent. I hadn't lived my dreams, hadn't accomplished what I wanted, didn't have a support system, was living paycheck to paycheck, renting a room for $500 out of some random guy's home didn't have health insurance. My parents didn't have the resources to support me financially if I needed help. I didn't want to move home. I didn't want to change trajectory. I didn't want to have an abortion. I was so scared. But time was not on my side, and I knew I had to do it. I remember my hands were cold when I called Planned Parenthood. I felt my heart racing. I felt outside of my body. I was having a panic attack. The lady on the phone was nice. She was patient. I was crying, but trying to hold back the tears and smooth out my shaking voice. She asked for specific dates, then gave me an appointment that was a few days away. It seemed forever away. It was going to cost $350. I needed someone to drive me and pick me up. For whatever reason, I felt I could ask a choreographer I was assisting at the time. I had felt we were close enough and I could trust her. She said yes. I remember walking into the clinic and looking at the pamphlets on the side table after checking in. I didn't wait long. I was taken in almost immediately. To a room to change, get on the table and wait. The nurse was kind. She held my hand. The doctor came in. He was cordial. 
didn't say much, just got to work. I wasn't put under for the procedure, and I don't remember much physical pain either, but I do remember sadness overcoming me. All of a sudden, I was engulfed in tears. The nurse consoled me and told me how much she loved my red hair. The procedure seemed quick in my memory. I do think I blocked some of it out. The sadness I felt was only for the circumstance I was in. I wanted it to be over. I had so much to look forward to. I had rehearsals and dance jobs on the horizon, and I was eager and grateful to be able to continue my life the way I wanted to. I was taken to a room to recover for a bit. There were other women there, but I don't remember much else. I went home with my choreographer friend and recovered at her home on the couch for a couple of days, watching lots of TV. I told friends and family members whom I felt were safe to tell. I was grateful to receive understanding and support. If anyone I told had adverse feelings, they didn't let me know. I felt really good about my decision, as it was the right decision for me. Oh, and did I ever tell Keegan? No, didn't feel it necessary. Today, I am a mom. I love my son more than anyone and anything. He's amazing, and I consider myself so fortunate to be his mama. I got pregnant with him at age 36 with my husband, who's also an amazing man and father to him. Sometimes I think, wow, if I carried that first pregnancy to term, I'd have an 18-year-old. Would I have met my husband on a dance job and had my son? Probably not. I can't fathom that. I'm so glad I had that abortion. Remember that side note earlier in my story about my self-esteem and not having boundaries, recovery, therapy? Thank God I didn't have a kid during that time. I can't imagine how that would have turned out for either of us. I'm grateful to be a mom today who has a spiritual practice, 12-step recovery, and therapy. I know the responsibility that comes with being a parent, and my motherhood journey has surprisingly, to me, not been an easy one. I would never, ever wish for anyone to become a mother who didn't want to be. The physical changes, hormonal changes, mental emotional changes, postpartum depression, not to mention the loss of job opportunities and income because we, as women and mothers, still don't have easy access to affordable childcare. The strain on your partnership or marriage is real too. My marriage has seen near breaking point challenges not seen before having a child. The lack of family, community raising a kiddo in a big city. This can also make it much harder on the mama. Place. Timing. How. Why. It all matters when choosing to bring a child into the world. How a child is going to be raised or parented is the consideration and conversation. What kind of life we'd like to give our kids is our focus. Not forcing women who get pregnant to give birth. I related so much to Nicole's story, specifically the side effects or traits of growing up with alcoholism and her recovery in a 12-step program and therapy. I'm still working on my spiritual practice. 
I also connected with her feelings when she learned she was pregnant and her difficult call to planned parenthood, as well as soldiering on as a professional dancer and the sacrifices it takes to ultimately acquire your destiny or what some might call your dharma. I've read in Indian religion, everything you see has its own dharma. For example, the dharma of water is to flow, the dharma of fire to burn. Feeling the connection with Alexia and Nicole's stories has been really special to me. I have a sacred place in my heart for every woman who has shared her abortion story with me. Imagine the connection we could all feel if we felt safe and free enough to share our stories or receive these stories with each other. How powerful we would become. I've heard in the rooms of recovery that the opposite of addiction is connection. I believe that to be fully true. Where there is disconnect, there is disorder. And I think we can all agree the immense amount of disconnect and disorder surrounding this topic. So, in the spirit of connection, I have a challenge for you. Can you find a way to connect about abortion? Maybe it's by sending someone a private message that you know has had an abortion, or reaching out to thank someone who helped you when you had your abortion. Maybe it's choosing not to self-silence yourself and your views on abortion with difficult family members. Or maybe it's telling your own story with a safe person, or even telling it publicly. If I haven't inferred it enough, I want to say it again. You're not alone. There are more of us than you think. To quote Cecily Strong in this past week's SNL episode, we all love someone who has had an abortion. I hope you reach out to Nicole and give her as much support and love as you have all given me. I'll attach her social media handle in the show notes. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you were able to find something relatable in today's episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this is also a social experiment to see if in telling my story and the stories of others, I can embolden listeners to share their stories. If you'd like me to read your abortion story, anonymous or otherwise, on this podcast, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com, G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who helped make this Gray Maybe podcast happen. Producer and editor Roderick Barge, cover photo by Jose Perez, music licensed by Pixabay, special counsel Jada Ellingham and Roderick Barge. Special shout out to supporter Patty Olgain. If you'd like to support this podcast, please rate, share, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, bye for now.